I'm speaking this morning on Luke 14, verses 25 to 33. And this is quite a hard passage, really, and seems a bit strange after all the joy that we've, we've just experienced. I don't know whether it's up. Yes, it is up. I will read it for you. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, anyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish it. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the others are still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Well, it's a bit hard, that, isn't it? <laughs> um, the reading actually opens with a picture, of course, of a time when Jesus' ministry was obviously really on the rise and there were lots of people beginning to follow him. I mean, there was obviously something about Jesus, something that was exciting, something that was special about his teaching, and there would, of course, been people who would have been quite curious about it. And uh, there would have been people who, of course, knew of the healing and would have, some would have hoped for that. And, of course, there's some that would have just wanted to be with him. But the reading, you see, says that it just, he just turned to them and spoke. And he spoke some very hard words. These have been very hard then, and, and they're really no less hard now. Um, there would have been many among the followers who were wondering about making a commitment to following Jesus, or even considering themselves giving them as, as good disciples of Jesus. His own disciples were probably, of course, very pleased with the way things were going, and Jesus' ministry seemed to be growing. And now what he was saying must have been... a totally at odds with um, any attempt that they were having to bring more people to the Lord and to, the, to, the, to his hearers. Jesus knew this and he decided that he was going to make it very plain that what was required of them if they were to follow him. It would appear to be by saying these words that he actually was trying to put people off. <laughs> and one could hardly say it was good PR for any church growth. Hardly what one would expect to, be, to, to hear to, if you were anxious to give your life to him. 
So Jesus did this with three strong warning statements, or in fact, cannots. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and comes after me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, anyone who does not renounce all that they have, they cannot be my disciple. And these statements really do seem to be very hard and they seem to be at complete odds really with the general tone of the Bible. Um, In fact, it could certainly support the contention that some have that the Bible is full of unhelpful contradictions, which of course we know it isn't. Some people have found them in this particular first sentence as being first cannot as being particularly hard and it's been so hard that they, they've completely ignored it. Um, but just because they've not really known what they can do with it. But you must remember that the Bible has been Holy Spirit breathed both in its writing and its, comp- and its compilation and it cannot actually conflict with itself. And I don't believe in this instance that Jesus was using the term hate. Um, in, in that sense, he was really trying to just reinforce what he was saying. I was looking in the study Bible about this and they described it as a vivid hyperbole. I'm really not quite sure what that is, but it's lovely words, I thought. If he really meant the word hate to be used in the normal sense, then it does contradict with many other statements in the Bible. And this is just not possible. And there are other statements. There's one that's, that's quite sim- sim- similar, which might put this into context. Um, this can be found in Matthew 10, where Jesus says, Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. There are so many commands in the Bible that Jesus could not mean to love, that Jesus could not mean hate in the conventional sense, but was just using the word to emphasize what he meant. So the first cannot can be designed, can, is designed in no uncertain way to tell us that there was a substantial demand on our lives if we wish to follow Jesus. We must put him first. Loyalty is, is what is required. And of course Jesus wants you to have a loving relationship with your family. Of course he does. But if there's any situation in your family that arises that is not of Jesus, then he expects you to put him or God first. If your family opposes your faith or attempts you to disobey Jesus, then he must come first. Jesus does say elsewhere, and as we know, that he says that he does not bring peace on earth. That's not what he's come for. He's, He's come to bring division. And if you read which is rather horrifying, really, if you read Mark 13, where we read the signs of the, end, of the end times, many things are described to be far worse than, than this. So now we come to the second cannot. Whoever does not bear his own cross and came after me 
cannot be my disciple. Now, he uses this term um, quite clearly at this time because people were so used to the way um, people were killed there with crucifixion. It was a very common thing. They, they were quite used to, as it was a public event, they were quite used to seeing people carrying their crosses. They were quite used to seeing them having been flogged first. I mean, we know that Jesus probably did carry a cross, a proper cross, because he had a notice pinned up on the top above him. But very many people were crucified just with a beam, and that's what they were probably more used to seeing. And of course, the person took the beam to the place of execution, and it was, they were either nailed or tied to it, and then it was just propped on top of a fixed post, where they were just brought above their, you know, their feet above the ground. So Jesus uses, again, this is a very extreme example to emphasize his, his point. He cannot, of course, be expecting everybody was going to carry a cross in that sense. Although, of course, we know lots did subsequently suffer in that way and because of their faith in Jesus. Jesus is warning us here that the cost of being his disciple it will most certainly mean suffering. We've got to be willing to suffer for Jesus. Maybe, in some cases, to even die. All of us know that life, for most people, tends to be a bit of a battle as we trundle through life. And Christians often, actually often, meet more problems on a day-to-day -day basis than many others. But of course we all know that if that's happening, then Satan, he's really not liking your relationship with Jesus and he's trying to frustrate you as much as he can and he knows with most people he knows your tenderest point your point where you're most vulnerable and that's what he bangs at and sometimes he's very very unsubtle um, so he's again he's saying we've got to be constantly prepared for this and so that we actually don't fall away because we can easily do this if we're bashed too much and then we come to the third cannot anyone who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Um, we have, of course, monks and nuns who do renounce everything, so they take this absolutely literally, but I'm sure Jesus knew, I mean, there always has been wealthy people, there's always been poor people, and um, Jesus accepts that. If you look at the story of Luke 19 about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he offered to give away half of his possessions to the poor and vowed to return four times the amount to anyone he had cheated. Now this represented an extreme form of payment and it was required under the law, particularly in the case of theft. Jesus, though, after he said this, described him as a son of Abraham, someone who is a Jew and walks in the footsteps of Abraham's faith. So he didn't actually condemn it, he accepts that, so... What Jesus is saying at, that at any point where, where you're striving for money and if your strive and love of money overrides your love of God, it then becomes an idol. Then you cannot truly be his follower. Riches and the hope of them has no end of uncertainty as opposed to the certainty we all have of the unfailing support of God of love. He just wants, and this again is what he said, he wants complete surrender to him. 
And the two parables that I read were afterwards that Jesus then went on to tell both emphasize the need to prepare and fully realize that you must count the cost of every endeavor. And your Christian walk or our Christian walk is an endeavor. And that if you start it, you've got to keep on and on and on and finish it. So we can see in our society so much now, as you, as you well know, that it's creeping everywhere, there, that people are so prepared to go up, give up on the first hurdle. There's a lack of persistence. There's a lack of commitment. And I'm afraid it permeates our society. And we've actually, as Christians, got to guard against this. We've got to keep on, on and on. And that's not... This sort of giving up is not how Jesus wants us to behave. And it is not the Jesus way. The journey with Jesus is a serious commitment of faith which Jesus asks us. He requires constant vigilance, facing up to hardship at times, and above all, commitment. Now I know it all sounds extremely gloomy, but it's not really... Jesus does want us to have a happy and healthy life. He wants us to enjoy life. But he also wants this firm commitment from us to put Jesus exactly where he belongs, the Lord and Saviour of our lives. There's a little thing I saw written. The Christian life is not hard to live. It is utterly impossible to live. Only one can live it. Let him Jesus, live in you. You've opened your hearts to him. You've taken the commitment. You've said, Jesus, come to me, come into me, and he's here. So he's there, here to enrich our lives, gives us joy, and he opens our eyes to so much more. I found this little bit of writing which I'd like to read to you. I find it good just to let my gaze wander without any concern for time and without any attempt to force concentration. Gradually, one part of the woods catches my attention and then one tree and eventually one branch of a tree. My scattered thoughts come to focus on a single experience and then dive deeper and deeper into that one reality, the universe in a blade of grass. Oftentimes the result is that my attention is absorbed by some small flower or leaf at my feet, which I did not notice before. I am at peace. What joy is this? This is just one example of the time when God just touches you and you just momentarily glimpse the taste of heaven. You see this and experience the deep joy all because you've welcomed Jesus into your heart and surrendered yourself to him. This passage that I've read demands our firm commitment to Jesus. He lights our life and what a future we have to look forward to. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, to follow you in the way you want clearly requires much effort on our part. 
We do remember what sacrifices you made for us when you came to the earth. And we are sorry we, that we forget the enormity of your suffering when we meet our small problems. We know, Lord, that you love us totally, are close with us, and help us on our journey. Help us to be constantly aware of our commitment to you and to love you above all else. Amen.